Here we are, podcast world, Chad Building back at you, another episode, the Foul Life Podcast, but this is another Dickies Workwear Podcast Series episode. We're so excited to be teamed up with Dickies. We love all of their apparel, all of their clothing. We love to work in it. We scout in it. We build blinds in it. We do mechanical stuff. We put boat motors on it, their pants, their overalls, their coveralls, their shirts, their flex fit. Everything that they are doing is improving the game for the American worker, the workers all across this world. So ask yourself, where are you working today? Do you love to work? My dad always told me we were put on this earth to work, and I still live by that mentality every day. My vision is to work as hard as I can to provide for my family and friends on a daily basis, minute by minute. So I hope you're feeling it. I hope you all are excited to get to work and Dickie supports all of the workers out there. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor, a pilot, a surgeon, a rancher, a farmer, you're digging ditches, you're putting up telephone poles and running wire. The world goes around with truck drivers. The world goes around with chefs. The world goes around with teachers. We all are working. Sometimes we get frustrated because we're behind a diesel and he's climbing the mountain and the incline too slow. But you got to ask yourself, what is he transporting? What is he bringing to that different location to make our world go around, our community stronger, our society a better place to live, not just for us, but our kids, our grandkids, future generations. Think about it. Analyze it. Dickies is there to help with all of your working needs. And today's guest is a worker. He has worked for other companies, but now he is an entrepreneur. He's a business owner. He mastered his craft of concrete cutting, understanding concrete, understanding what it takes to not just build things, but to take them apart and provide demolition services to maybe cut out a pad or cut out a wall if you want to put a door. I've seen him do stuff for big, big companies all across the state of Nevada, and we have a lot of iconic brands moving in to this area. I'll let Sean Bloomquist, tell us more about that. But Sean Bloomquist, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me. The company is called Western Concrete Cutting. And when you think about concrete cutting, I don't think a lot of, I mean, if you're in the construction industry or the trade, you probably know about it because it happens in road work, it happens in industrial. Um, But if you're just an everyday American citizen driving down the road, you probably don't know that there's these saw blades that are this big, that are this powerful, that are this precise, this consistent, this accurate to be able to go in and cut out you know, the, the most precise measurements. There are CNC machines, there's plasma cutters. And when I look at how precise you guys are being with this, there's a difference because a lot of it's manual, but you also do have machines that are ran through technology or computerized or electro- electronics. Tell me a little bit about what the overall business model is of a concrete cutting company. We remove things that were supposed to be there forever. Um, it happens every day, all day long in this town. People don't even know it. Um, it's still very primitive, but we, you know, the saws that we have are very powerful. The, the blade bonds, the blades that they have today are incredible. It just melts right through the concrete, right through the rebar, everything. So when I was a kid, I would, you know, I'd get woke up by my dad and one of some of our chores throughout the year was busting up concrete with sledgehammers. My dad would say, we need to get this out of here because we were going to either put a garden in there. We didn't need the concrete or the rebar rebar the foundation anymore. So we would bust up concrete with sledgehammers, which is one way to do it if you really want to destroy your back and really, you know, make it more than it needs to be. With a concrete cutting service, is residential a part of it? Can a, can a homeowner call Sean? 
on Bloomquist and say, hey, I have a driveway that I need to cut out because I want to pour a new stamp concrete driveway? Yeah, that that's probably one of the main things we do residential is driveways, sidewalks. Uh, we'll remove curb and gutter for new approaches for an RV storage on the side of people's houses. Um, uh, deteriorating concrete steps, stoops. Uh, a lot of times when there's uh, an addition to a, a residential home, we'll cut in new HVAC in the stem wall um, so they can transfer the piping and stuff like that through the into the new addition. So the, the responsibility level of concrete cutting comes um, into fruition of it has to be accurate because if you go in and they want this much cut out and you cut out more, then they're upset because now what do they do? They got to replace it. And it's probably not going to look natural. If you don't cut out enough, now they can't fit what they had planned or envisioned into this new remodel or this new driveway. <clears throat> or if, excuse me, if it's a bigger level deal to where you got to go cut a door for like, let's say an Amazon where they're taking a, a, a pre-existing building and they're taking a wall that didn't have any slots in it for these doors that, that w- would roll up and then a diesel pulls in there and then they load that diesel. Then it takes off to deliver all these packages for the biggest lucrative most you know powerful company in the world you got to be precise on that that's big responsibility you can't go in there and make a mistake and say well the door doesn't fit you know time is money for these companies i've always said it's like carving a statue because you can't you can never mess up it has to be perfect every time and and the, the equipment that we have makes it a lot easier than it used to be but uh, uh enlarging doors we do that all the time we take make them taller make them wider uh, for the door companies, and, and we have done all that work for Amazon. Um, a lot of plumbing trenches. Uh, we do, go and do remove and replace. That's a big, big part of what we do every day. And what is the what is the the process here? Is it if you're working for a residential guy, is it word of mouth, or will that resident go and bid this out and say, hey, there's, because there is some competition in this space. Now, oh, it's yeah. a very specified, specialized space, okay? Like, you have to know what's up to be, to have a concrete cutting business. There's not a ton of them. Like, there's probably way more portable restroom companies in this area than there are concrete cutting companies, and portable restrooms is a very specified business, because it's a huge responsibility with all the regulations and laws, right, from the government. So, with with this, if I if I wanted to do something out here and you have performed cutting services in this property, is it something to where I call three or four in town and you come in and you do a walkthrough and you say, all right, here, and you provide me with a proposal? Yeah, there's there's job walks. That happens quite a bit. But, you know, once you do a good job for somebody, they want to have you back. you got to be really clean. What we do is messy. Um, you got to contain everything. And like you said, the area around what you're doing needs to look like it did when you got there. So you need to be, the the impact needs to be lesser than, you just can't go in there and blow and go, basically. Well, talk to me about that, because a lot of people need to understand in, in, in the real world what it takes to build a business. Now, it's easy to say, oh, he owns a concrete cutting company, but do they understand the pre job, the job, and the post job, meaning, all the preparation and vision that goes into, okay, well, I know the layout. I know what we got to do. To make a profit on this job, we have to do it in this amount of work days, this amount of hours each day. And then you have to say, all right, now we have our equipment. Do we have the right equipment? And if we do, is it maintained? Because that all costs money to maintain it. And it takes responsibility to make sure that your maintenance schedule is on time and up to date and upkept, right? Then during the job, 
you are the visionary owning the company with your experience. You have employees underneath you, and now you have to make sure that they are leaving a good mark on this job because your company brand and your name is on this and you have a reputation to withhold again because of your uh, experience and prior career and history here with concrete cutting and then the post work is the cleanup making sure that customer's happy and then it starts all over again to where oh well, we got to check our blades we got to check everything that goes into the maintenance of all this equipment our trucks our lift gates everything that goes in to making sure that we get everything safely back to our shop washed off maintained and then you got to take that pile that you just cut and figure out where does it get dumped how much is that going to cost me and make sure that when the it's like it's almost like what i do when that farmer or that rancher walks out on his property i don't want a bunch of shotgun holes laying there i don't want a bunch of candy wrappers or beef jerky jack lynch wrappers laying there i want it to look better than it did when we got there gates are closed everything is kept up right so you as the owner that's all on you i've never gotten so many phone calls from owners saying what a fantastic job we've done as a subcontractor it's cleaner than when you got there. We watched you do extra things that you really weren't contracted to do, but you did it anyway because you wanted to make it safe. Um, just today, the new hospital that they're building down on Longley uh, went in, cut two big slots for an electrical contractor so they can run their conduit further into a, a conference room and cleaned it all up, found some plywood, put it over it, spray painted on the plywood hole, you know, with danger and, uh, you got to cradle to grave every single job, no matter if it's a big job, small job, everything you do has to be repetitive, safety first. Everybody goes home at night um, and it's got to be clean. And then they'll call you and they'll call you and they'll re that's how they, we get re a lot of referrals because these guys are quick, they're competitive and they do a really clean job. So do you like the part of owning it? Do you like being responsible from everything from, in the past you've been a, let's say a, a, a superintendent, a foreman, a general manager, you ran crews for other companies that, you know, back before the recession of 2007, eight hit, this place was a giant for construction, home building, residential, industrial, com, uh, road work, um, underground utilities, concrete cutting comes into play with all of this, but you didn't have the responsibility, even though you took pride in it, it wasn't your name on those loans. It wasn't your name on that, those auctions buying that equipment. It wasn't your name on those insurance policies and that liability of an employee that might get hurt either in a truck on the way to the job or back, back home from the job with a saw with blades that'll rip your leg off in an instant, right? I'm not trying to dramatize this, but this is a high responsibility deal. You're not dealing with Q-tips here. You're dealing with saw blades that'll rip you apart in a heartbeat. So do you enjoy the ownership part of it? The stress, the sleepless nights, the going to bed at midnight and getting up at 3.30 in the morning because your head, your your brain is type A personality and you're like, did I check the oil on that saw? Did I check the blades? Are we going to be able to get through tomorrow? Do you like that part of it? Does it challenge you or would you rather go back to just clocking in and clocking out? No, I, 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 I love it. It's, it's a lot of work and it's stressful and I, I love it. It's, it's amazing the opportunity I have here. Well, tell me why. Because I, it, concrete cutting is a thankless job. It really is. It's very difficult. People just want you in and out because they ran into something they didn't foresee, and we're going to make it better. And it, there's not a whole lot of glory to it. And I wanted to build a company that was for people that did that for a living. There's 19 people in this valley that cut concrete out of five five companies. So they're all studs, every one of them. And it takes 
you know, that, that job's not for everybody. It really isn't. I've, I could go through a hundred guys and not find one guy to cut concrete. And, and what specifically are you looking for? Is it because of the responsibility level? I mean, it's, if you're rolling down this chalk line of this straight line that you need to cut and it gets off an eighth of an inch, that's, that could be thousands of dollars. Yeah, there's, you can't have that at all. Every, every time, every day, all day long, you have to be perfect. And I don't, I don't know of a job that we've messed up since we started. <laughs> Everything, you, everything's you, turned out perfect. This table's wood. I would probably knock on it if you, <laughs> you, you, you look at something that looks like you said, thankless, which a lot of professions are. That's why I started this podcast off by saying there's got to be self-fulfillment. People have to find self-fulfillment in everything they do because in a lot of instances, when we're driving down the road, like I mentioned, that diesel driver, not a lot of us stop to think, wow, look at him making America go around. Look at her making America go around. She's been up with her logbook. She's been traveling interstate. She might have hit a storm on I-80 in Wyoming from Rock Springs to Cheyenne with black ice and big wind shears and just, you know, white knuckling it to get that produce there, to get those that material there. We never stop to think about well, how did that door get cut into that Amazon place? It's just taken for granted because all we give a shit about is I better have my Amazon package on time. I don't care that the door is perfect that slides up and down that fills these trucks to get these truck drivers out on time to make sure that I get my package on time that Buzos is making, you know, promising that I'm going to get. There's a lot of thankless activities or jobs or, or, you know, lifestyles, right, that go in that people don't really realize Man, what are they really doing to society? It's huge part of it. And, oh, yeah. And that's what you mean by thankless, right? Yeah. You, I mean, you can push a button on your phone, and a lot of people don't realize that there's a man or a woman out there that's going to drive their product to them. I mean, but, you know, nobody nobody sees those people. You know, it just shows up on their doorstep. Yeah, this it's, it's one of those things to where the word thankless is kind of different because you don't want to like look at yourself like, well, I don't really care about how it happens, but you have to stop and think a lot of times in this world of, do we really understand how we get to live this amazing life in this country? Supermarkets. Well, diesels and trains are, we get stopped at a railroad track and the first thing we do is get pissed. I mean, you think about that, like that's ignorant, right? Like that train is bringing all of those supplies that you so readily get to walk into Walmart or your favorite retail outlet, or you go on Amazon and click a button, like you said on your phone, and those number two pencils show up and that Elmer's glue for your kid's first day of school, but you're going to get pissed because you're stopped at the train or you're behind a diesel on an incline climbing the Sierra Mountains over to California, but you're not stopping to go, wait a minute, if it wasn't for this diesel right here, I wouldn't be able to live the life that I get to in this country, right? Right, exactly right. And I think that that's you know what you mean by thankless is you when you when you hear something about concrete cutting, you don't really understand it. That's why I mentioned it before. Is like really what is it like? Do you really take a blade and let it, you know, de- you know, descend into this piece of concrete and then cut it like a piece of birthday cake? And that's yeah. how precise you can get. Yeah. Give me an idea of what these saws are built like, the size of the blade, the sharpness of these blades, the power of these blades. Are they running at a certain RPM? How do these machines work and how are they manhandled? Yeah, these are the the walk behind flat saws that we have are they're a Husqvarna product. They're forty six hundred. They they burn gasoline, but you can run them inside of a an enclosed area, they deplete oxygen. They're 99.9% clean. And the blades that we use are uh, 
blades today are incredible. They're a split sag. They're they're uh, they're an imitation diamond. They actually compress rock and make diamonds today. And the the bond on them is incredible. I mean, they just cut ten times better than they used to. Um, that what's went into the concrete cutting equipment um, these days is it's it's unbelievable. Our, our wall saw units that cut door openings they're all remote control. You measure the wall, you put the unit on the wall, you turn it on, you push a button, and it does everything by itself and right and when it's done it'll come down the wall and stop and turn off right where you put it onto the wall That's so amazing you just kind of described one of these vacuum cleaners that i have in my house i don't remember the name of it but it starts with an r i believe hold on i'll tell you i want to make sure i get this right if i can find it it's uh maybe i won't be able to find it anyway you're telling me that because I can go in and I can get this vacuum and I can hit the button and this thing will vacuum my living room. It's got lasers, boundary setters that you put on the floor to where it won't go across that. You're saying that you can do the same thing with a saw that it will climb a wall. Oh, wait, like you saw the swimming pool cleaner. That thing just will climb the wall and then it'll scoot down and get all the scum off of the water line and then drop back down and do it all by itself. Yeah. You're telling me that something with a sharp blade on it will go in and cut. Is it laser cutting or is there an actual blade? There's an actual blade. And it's running itself. Yeah, it's twenty-four inch diameter blade. Uh, it's about quarter inch thick. Uh, you mount a track to the wall, and this unit, the head unit, attaches to the track. It, it bolts on, and then you measure your cut from top to bottom. You enter that into the computer, and you push the button, and it'll it'll compensate for cutting rebar. It'll gear down and slow down, and then it'll give itself more water, and it'll cut the entire thing when it's completely done. It'll ride down the track right where you put it on the wall and turn itself off and it's done so they say that hand sanitizer is like 99.9 percent effective can you say that this blade is a hundred percent like you entrust your company name on this blade that <clears throat> this cut's going to be perfect every time you push that button after you program it yeah pretty much yeah no way yeah unless you're ripping a piece <clears throat> of rebar that's vertical it might come out of the cut a little bit but then you're you just compensate for that and you, it's easy to compensate for something like that, as long as it's not too big of a mistake. It's it's a little bit grueling because it takes a long time. But once you're once you're through it, then you unbolt the saw and you do your top cut and you do your side cuts and then you you put uh, wedges in the bottom of the uh, opening. And when you're all done, you pull the wedges out on one side and that's the way it falls. Thirty thousand pounds, forty thousand pounds. When it falls. Yeah. We, we, we drop it on tires. We put tires out so we can protect the slab it's falling on. And you're responsible for all of that? Is All of it. And so your communication's key with, if you're on a job site, if it's an existing building, <clears throat> will you go in and just cut a building up, up, you know, like will you cut a doorway into an Amazon building and Amazon hires you? Or is that always done through a GC and a construction company to where you're dealing with a superintendent or a project manager? 80% of the time, it's through a GC or, or a, uh, another subcontractor. And you you go in and you work with that superintendent or that project manager saying, all right, today we're going to have this whole space cleared, and this is what's on the docket today. Our, our schedule looks like this for, for this Monday and Tuesday coming up. You're going to need to clear this space because we're going to have a 40,000-pound wall falling on a couple dozen tires. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've implemented a lot, a lot of new stuff as far as strapping the opening and making sure it doesn't fall until we want it to fall. Um, 
you know, notifying all the people in the area that are working there that this is what's going on and we can't have anybody in this area. And then we'll cone everything off. I put construction fence up. I go overboard on the safety. It's just, you can never have too much safety. Have you ever had a, a safety mistake or anything happen to any of your employees or workers or even in your history in this? Have you seen anything bad happen with a concrete cutting? I, I, I've heard of it with other companies in other places, but we, thank God we've never had any problems like that. Nothing. You just you ha when it comes to that point in the process, you really got to slow down. You got to look around. There's no hurrying in that portion of the process. Now this is another job. When you talk about safety and and the mentality of what it takes to do this, this could easily be pegged or described as a job for a man. If you think about it, which are, you can't think like that anymore because you showed me a female concrete cutting service or some stud on Instagram one time a few months ago where she, I think she's in Utah or maybe yeah. Idaho. Yeah, she's so this, Utah. women are doing this too. Yeah, she's she's a stud, you know, and, I, and I, I've, I've looked at some of her videos and her pictures and the, the gals really knows what she's doing. It's, it's, it's awesome to see that, you know. Um, a lot of times guys that do this, we call them pre-Madonnas because they know they're good at the profession, the profession. So they kind of got you a little bit and it's a give and take deal. <laughs> but with her, no way. Oh, she's, she's just amazing. I mean, she's, she's a good looking gal and she's, she's really good at, at cutting concrete. You know, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, it's, it's almost, uh, lifting everything's heavy. Everything that we have will bite you if, if you don't know what you're doing. And it's all a process, and everybody has their little tricks to doing it. Um, you want to get it done in, a, in done in a timely fashion, but you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to hurt anybody around you. And it's it's very violent what we do. It's uh, I mean, like I said, we're removing things that were supposed to be there forever, and and uh, you know, and yet you can't destroy anything around where you're working. We do plumbing, trench, core drilling, wall sawing. We do heavy demolition soft demolition it's all it's all tied in together when you say heavy demolition you know that does that include just like a 40,000 pound wall or will you go in and actually provide an entire building coming down yeah we'll take down buildings demising walls um, uh, spread footings uh, we just removed uh, 10 12 foot by 12 foot by 24 inch thick footings that were for jib cranes. They were in our way, in our way what we had to do. So we had to remove those. So you, you isolate them, you cut around them, you dig around them and you bring in a big heavy breaker and you break it on an excavator. And is this, is this something that when you, every time that you're providing demolition is a saw always involved or are there other techniques that a concrete cutting, it says cutting, but are there other techniques that are used by your services? Yeah, we, we can line drill if, if whatever we're cutting is really, really thick and uh, the, you know, the blades, the blades go up to about 54 inch in diameter. And then after that, you want to either wire saw or line drill with a core drill, which is stitch drilling. You just perform a, a, a line of cores all the way through what you're drilling through and then it, you can remove it then in that fashion. So there's no, um, what are you, what would you call it, pyrotechnics involved or, or, you know, the explosives involved when I've seen casinos brought in down, you know, in Vegas, they make it a spectacle or do you ever use explosives to do any of this? There's only two companies in the, in the country that do that. And you can provide all the, the drilling and the holes for the charges, the shape charges for them. 
but they'll come in and they'll they'll perform that process. Only two companies in the whole country, the do, whole country. do the demo. And they're both families, yeah. Really? Yeah. You talk about a huge responsibility here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the other companies have tried to move into that field, and they, they can't. It's something to do with the government. Really? Yeah, because of what they're doing. Yeah, because, I mean, you talk about that's legit when you bring down a 30-story building all on top of itself. Yeah. That takes some serious engineering. So when you start talking about employees now, the part of the business that is makes every business tough is as much as you love your workforce, as much as you love labor and the people that help build your brand and your company, it's a process. It's a learning process. There's a lot of give and take. There's a lot of peaks and valleys because you're dealing with somebody that's got his own or her own mentality, their own thinking process, their own way of doing things. And you are saying, look, if you're going to come and work here, this is how we do things. Is this a part that you like in the business? Um, This is why people have human resources. This is why as companies grow different levels in the infrastructure, different chain of command, different accountability levels come into place with general managers and managers and vice principals and or vice presidents and people that answer up. And then you have superintendents and you have shift leaders. There's this chain of command because you can't always do the bidding, the maintenance, the cutting, the human resources, dealing with tardiness. Somebody might not show up or no show you. Somebody might not, they might not be happy with what they're getting paid. So now they're coming to you. You're kind of a one man show. That's a lot on somebody's plate. Do you, do you enjoy that part of it as much as you enjoy the other parts of the bidding and the cutting? Every business owner is a full-time counselor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the hardest part is the employee part because you never know what kind of day somebody's going to have, um, what went on at home that night. And I, I tell them straight up, I say, look, just give me eight hours. Give me your best eight hours, and we'll, we'll get through this together. I'll be out there helping you if you need help. I'll get you everything you need. But that is the hardest part, the, the employees. You know, you give them a pep talk every morning, get the boys off to school. Do you? Yeah. Every morning I open the gate. Is it working? Are they fired up? Have... Is it something when you start talking about building a brand, you turnover sucks. You yeah. want your crew, you want your crew next month to be the exact same as is here because everybody thinks, well, if he isn't doing his job, let's just fire him and hire somebody else. If she's not doing her job, let's just get rid of him and hire somebody else. Well, that people don't stop to think about what that costs to bring somebody new in, the process, the training, the paperwork, all of the new insurance and working. Time is money. All of that costs a lot of money to train that person. If this person's not doing their job, it's better to try to get them fired up and train the right way unless they continue to make mistake after mistake. But bringing new employees on is an expensive you know, ordeal, right? It's an undertaking. So you really try every day, right, to make this crew work for you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't just put – you have to train somebody. It usually takes about two years to get somebody right where they need to be. Um, they have to be mechanically inclined. They have to be safe. They have to be good with customers. You know, they can't get mad and throw a fit or anything like that. But that, that's the hardest part is, is – and if, if I'm there every morning and they see me involved and they see me backing them, everything they're doing – then they have a better attitude, it seems. But you have to do it, you have to do that every day, every day. A lot of people want to own their own company. 
you can start thinking as an entrepreneur is, I mean, my daughter's nine and all she cares about is like thinking of these different creative ways to set up businesses. It started with lemonade stands like it does with most, but now, now it's matured into all this other things that she just always has this mentality to provide a service for somebody. So you kind of see that entrepreneurial spirit early in life, just like somebody might have a natural great baseball swing or a good jump shot or a great golf swing. Um, they might be a great swimmer. You start to see things in people early. Um, you are in your 50s. You're 53, 52 years old. Yeah. You started this company two, three years ago in your 50s. Yeah. This isn't normal. This is normal if you might have something else that gives you the ability to go. You started this from the ground up from scratch with not a lot of money in the bank. And I'm just being honest. Like people can look at it like, well, he just, you know, he just started another company. That's not the case here. This is, look. I'm freaking in, in the, you know, I'm 12 years from when you're supposed to retire at 62 when we were kids, right? You're starting this new business right now. You're investing. You have a great partner in Chris that, that helps you with this company as far as, you know, getting it off the ground. But why? Why do something that's going to stress you out? It's almost like Donald Trump. You're a multi-billionaire and you're telling me you want the stress of running this company when you're 70, you know, 74 years old. Why? You ran for a second term, which that's another talk that we're not going to get into, which I'm so irritated. But think about that. Think about what you're doing. Are you sure you want to do this at this time in your life? Yeah, I want to do it, man. Let's, let's go. I, I, it's very, very difficult. It takes everything I've got every single day, seven days a week, and but that's okay because that's what I do. And I, like I said, I wanted to make a company that was for the guys that do it and the women that want to do it. I mean, it's just, it's very, very difficult. But at the end of the day, I can't tell you how gratifying it is to know that you went and removed that and did all that. And I'm, on job sites, other trades are looking going, wow, look at them guys. They roll up in these beautiful trucks and they make all this noise and they make this big old mess. And when they when they leave, it's like they weren't even there. It's like Burning Man. <laughs> make this big old mess. Yeah. Roll up in all these trucks. So you're happy with where you're at. You like the idea that as you approach your mid-50s, you've taken on this monster that could work and it could not. You might be applying for a job in 20 that's about that's what it means to be a business owner yeah especially now you got covid you've seen the effects of covid of what has gone on in this country um do you lay awake at night scared is there fright here is there stuff that makes you go man i don't know if i want to continue i know you, you said let's go i'm ready to roll but are you scared of some of it in, in the beginning i was but there's no looking back now and i I'll give it everything I got. Even if I got to go out and do the work, it, no matter what, we're going to, we're going to make this happen. I'm so driven. It's made me, it's made me a different person. It's made me. How so? Explain to the audience of, of this is, you have kids, you've been a father, you've, you've grown as an employee with companies. Okay. You've ran crews. But what is it about the entrepreneurial spirit? What is it about the American worker? Because you're on both sides of it now. You're a worker because you're out there working, but you're also an American entrepreneur and a business owner. You have employees. You have people that depend on you to supply that paycheck and put food on their table for their friends and family, not meaning that they're just going through the motions and leaning on you. They're leaning on you to go out and with, uh, uphold this reputation of this company to get these jobs. If you don't do what you know you can do as the owner and with your reputation and history here and experience level, 
there's not enough work to keep these guys employed. Then you got to start laying people off. Then you got to start seeing the effect it has on their families of like, oh man, he's got to be in the unemployment line now and draw unemployment. Like, well, maybe during COVID that works, but in the history of the world, people don't want that. My dad was a union plumber. Layoffs would happen in the wintertime and he'd go on and it would suck. Then a couple months later, you get hired onto another job or another company. You're on both sides of it now. This podcast from Dickies is centered around the worker, the working man, the working woman, the workforce. You got to be like ultra sensitive to the fact that you are responsible for a lot of people's well-being now. Yeah, I mean, you got to make a difference. You got to you got to rise above the norm. You know, there's a lot of people out there today that don't really want to work that hard, and when they see somebody else working hard, they get to feel a little guilty sometimes. You know, and I, I teach these guys at the, just give me, give me an eight hour day, work as hard as you can and everybody will benefit from this. And we are, we're, we're, we're doing a great job. We're being very successful. Um, everybody in town thinks we've got 10 trucks and we've got three. (laughs) That's, that's how much we do. And we do it with three to five guys. And we're doing as much work as the companies that have 20 guys. And, and we're really getting it on. And, and everybody's talking about us. They, they, they like our, our, uh, the way we paint our trucks and, and the emblems we put on them. Um, you know, the supporting law enforcement. Um, you know, that, that's a job that a lot of people look at today and they're upset with them. But those people go out all, every day and work their ass off. And they can have a bad day too, you know. Oh, 100%. And I think that it's in building a brand, you look at things of how do you ingrain yourself in the culture, the community, society, and you want people to look at it as somebody that's not just putting that logo on there and going through the motions. Like, you know, they, you want to be able to follow through. Like, hey, we might only have three trucks and a couple saws and four or five employees, but through through preparation, which is the key to success, organization and preparation is the key to success, vision – you're able to get this work done, keeping your workers safe, keeping your you know your employees going, not wearing them out. But hey, you got to make hey when sun's shining, right? Like you have to be ready to roll. Which brings me to my next question: Is this has got to be a seasonal business, right? Just you start in maybe April and it's going to end in September. But you just told me you had a job today and it's right in the middle of December. Yeah, it's it it may seem seasonal, but it's not. We're we're busy as can be. Sometimes it'll slow down in February. I don't know for some reason, or or big holidays, it'll slow down a little bit. But other than that, we're we're going strong. We've never slowed down so, since we started in uh, February of 2018. Not one time. What does it mean for you when I say the words work ethic? Talk to me a little bit about your inner your inner being, your psyche. Um, do you judge people for laziness? Is laziness a pet peeve of yours to where it drives you crazy? Um, there is a such thing as laziness. There is a there such is. thing as going through the motions. In your 50 years on this earth, that's half a century. Does it drive you nuts and eat at you when you see laziness? And what does work ethic mean to you? It, it absolutely drives me crazy. It, there's, there's no reason you can't get out there and do what you got to do every day, no matter what you do. Um, all jobs can be difficult. They all come with their problems. But it makes you a better human being when you can complete something and and be a part of a group completing something. And it gives you satisfaction. And I think that's a, a lot 
of what's missing in our society today is people aren't satisfied with anything. They want to push a button and they want this and they want that and they want it there now. They need to appreciate what goes into that, you know? And uh, I don't think a lot of people don't appreciate that anymore. And I think if, if people got out there and worked and no matter what they did, if they worked at fast food or if they, you know, worked for a trash company or something, have pride in what you do and get it done and, and make people go, man, that's, that guy did a really great job, even though he's just doing that. It looks like he's just doing that, but it, you know, you don't know his problems during the day and what they run into and uh, until you walk in their shoes. And, um, you know, every job can be difficult. We know that. Do you pass judgment when you see somebody that doesn't have a work ethic? I do. I mean, it's, it's, I don't understand it because there's people around them that are working really hard and they're making it harder on them. You know, it's like, it's like rowing a, a big canoe. Everybody's got to row. The one person that's not rowing making everybody else row harder, you know? That's what I tell my guys. Row. Come on. <laughs> do, you, do you feel that you ask too much? Do you ever sit down and go, man, maybe I am asking too much of these guys? I don't. I, I give them what I think they can handle, and I'll take up the slack. And I think they notice that, but they don't. I don't think they always appreciate it. Um, I, I have a hard time because a lot of times I'll do it myself. <laughs> but and then they'll feel bad and they'll come help. But it's it's uh, you know you just got to give it all you can every day. That's all I ask. You know? With the responsibility that comes with all these saws and these sharp blades, do you find yourself being a micromanager? I don't think I micromanage. I, I think I give them the responsibility that they they can handle. And I I let them do it. I let them do their job. And if they do a good job, I'll, you know, pat them on the back and tell them good job. And if they do a bad job, then I'll, we'll find out why what went wrong and we'll f try to fix it so it doesn't happen next time you know um for for the most part you set a guy in a direction and then they, they'll do what they're supposed to do it may take a little bit longer may be a little bit messy but we can fix that and i just try to reiterate re re reiterate that to him every day you yeah because you can't move forward without the right workers, the right seats, the right asses, and the right seats on the bus. People Everything have, has to be in place. People have to know their role. Yeah. You, as the manager, the owner, you have to put the people in the right place to do the job. You have to give them what they need to do the job, and then you have to put them in a position to do it safely, securely, and successfully. Where do you go from here? You have three, four trucks. You have some saws. You have a work crew of four or five guys. You said that the possibilities are endless here with the way that we're booming again, with the way the industrial commercial is, is taking off again in this area. Residential's taking off again in this area. Road work is never stopping in this area because we've outgrown our infrastructure here. It's no secret. Where do you go from here as the owner? Do you want to grow it? Do you want to have 30 trucks? Yeah, I've talked to you about some of these companies in places like Los Angeles or Anaheim where you were born and raised, companies in Dallas, companies that are way bigger than what your company is, but you're very young. Do you have aspirations of getting there or does that just add more to your play as you know, at this time in your life? Like, man, do I really want to have that much responsibility? Well, if, 
you know, the state of the, the country and the future of our country is, is a little bit uh, shaky right now, uh, you know, with the politics and everything. But I think everybody's kind of pumped the brakes just a few times on that. I mean, I'll make it as big as it, it wants to get um, I, with, with help, and I've got some good help. We, we could do anything. I know we can. And it doesn't take a whole lot of people to, do, to be as big as those other companies. Um, it just takes a lot of money to buy the equipment very expensive equipment and uh, there's only a few places you can get it and uh, anything in concrete cutting you, you don't buy used because it's already tired and worn out usually um, but as far as growing the company just a little bit bigger and I mean we're doing amazing things with just you know four five six guys and a, and a small office staff so you would be fine here and, and let's say when you turn 60 in eight years you're happy with where you're at right now if it never grows another inch it needs to grow a little bit more i I just got a call today uh for a bunch of work in vegas so i'm I'm looking at that and entertaining the thought of going down there so and that could be huge very lucrative so in this by telling the audience what they have to look forward to when they think i want to own my own business is it worth it how does it happen do you just say hey the water's good jump in the water's fine come and join me let's go swimming how do you tell somebody sean that is and it doesn't necessarily have to be just in concrete cutting but what do you say to somebody that's thinking about starting their own business you can't give up you got to push forward even when you don't want to do it if you're tired you don't feel good that day you got to you got to put your hat on and go you got to be that person that you were when you started and you got to do it every day when you're sick uh you might be going, getting ready to go on vacation now. You can't go because a big job came in. You have to think that way. You have to do it that way. You have to give it everything you got every day. So it's kind of like the parenting mentality. Even if you, you're sick, you can't stop being a parent. You know, you got to make exactly. sure that those diapers are changed. You got to make sure that that baby's fed. And that's what you're doing is you're nurturing this company right now. There's different stages of owning a business. There is the birth process. There is the nurturing. There is the adolescence. There is, you know, childhood and adolescence. They're all different stages of owning your own company. And you got to birth them. You got to feed them from the teat for a while, right? I got, I got teats, Craig. You want to milk me? I mean, you're like, you are, you have to really grow these businesses like a child. Failure is chasing you every day and and you can fail, but I won't fail because I, I've got too much drive. Um, I'll take it to the bitter end. You just have to give it everything you got every single day. It's a, it's amazing. It's it's more work than I thought. Um, and you got to kind of keep your emotions out of it a little bit, you know? You can't get real emotional about things. You just have to keep moving forward like a machine. I love that. Those are the words of Sean Bloomquist, Western Concrete Cutting. In the, in the words of the one and only Marshall Mathers, which Sean just touched on, Eminem said, success is my only option failure is not we'll end it by that think about that failure is not an option you got to go even when you don't feel good even when you think you lost a bid you got to get up and bid again when you think that you're done in the gym you got to go to another workout if you if you lost a job interview you got to keep going life is full of ups and downs it's a roller coaster ride it's a it, it can be a hard mofo most of it this life is not for everybody and that's what we mean by it we're not saying that what i do or what sean does is the hardest thing in the world because surely being a duck hunter is not that hard right all i'm saying is that you might do something that might not be up somebody else's alley all of these different walks of life are different and when eminem said success is my only option failure is not take that to the bank 
if you are going to become an entrepreneur, if you're going to be an employee, if you're going to be a janitor, you've heard about me seeing that janitor in that high school hallway whistling Dixie while he was sweeping the floors and cleaning up, making sure that those kids had a great place to learn the next day. He took pride in his work. Those teachers that are underpaid, males and females, they do not look at failure as an option. They take pride every single day what they're doing with our youth in public school systems, private school systems. Success is our only option. Failure is not. That's Sean Bloomquist, Western Concrete Cutting. This has been another episode of the Dickies Workwear Podcast. I'm Chad Belding. I'm so proud to be affiliated with Dickies. What a worldwide iconic brand. Thank you so much, Dickies, for what you do for all of our brands here at The Foul Life. This life ain't for everybody. Our podcasts, our TV shows, our manufacturing brands. Thank you guys so much for the support of Bandit and Jargon, Avery, Greenhead Gear. We will have another episode coming your way soon of the Dickies Workwear Podcast right here at The Foul Life. Jake, Tom, hit that button. This is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life.